Welcome to the Community Immunity Podcast. Every month I am bringing you two new guests from the world of spiritual, physical, mental and emotional well-being to strengthen your own immunity, to invite you to awaken the potential within. My name is Lucia Hargasova and I am a life and leadership coach. Hi, John. Okay, so my next guest, John Stiff, has been a coach and a business consultant and has been working with neurofeedback for past 22 plus years, focusing on this idea of self-regulation and self-sustainability. In his work, he uses different tools of measurements that provide objective feedback, such as brain maps. Now, working with people from different fields, from high and executives to children. John, I am so grateful to have you on the Community Immunity Podcast. Welcome. I'm going to start with a simple question for those who don't know you. What is it you do? Basically, what I'm doing is helping people to become independent, to be dependable on themselves. So it's, I also, some people get into therapy, discussions, coaching, what I call myself as a trainer. So what people do is they can either watch their heart rate, they can watch their brain waves. And what they learn to do is how can I change that? How can I change how my brain is functioning? How can I change how my heart is beating? How can I, so one of the ways with the heart, that we call heart rate availability is to change my heart rate through breathing. So what type of breathing is to the benefit of me? So the key, I think, is also, the, which is the new way today, is measurement. We can learn to measure the body. And then we get that objective feedback. It's not somebody saying, well, I think this or I think that. It's there. It's objective. It's measured. And then you figure out, and it's amazing with the neurofeedback, often the brain is not consciously figuring it out. It will figure out, and it's based on rewards. And it will all came from a guy named Pavlov many years ago, and the old story of the dogs. And what he did was, he had dogs in a cage, and he would bring milk to them. And every time he brought the milk to them, he'd turn on a light. And then one day, he turned on the light, and the dogs started salivating. So what he'd done, he had conditioned them. And that's the key, was conditioning. And based on reward and the dopamine. I don't want to get into too much technology here, but it, it works. And the other key that is really nice about it is that it's non-invasive. So we're not putting medication in or whatever. Is that what I like about it as a training, people are learning. It's a learning process. So... Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So I'm just curious to understand, you know, going back to your point about the breathing and the heart rate, why would you want to change your heart? Yeah, your heartbeat is functioning or or the way you breathe. Can you just take me through an example of a person? It could be a made up person of why would this be helpful or of a benefit for someone? Well, what we talk about often is that what we call the autonomic nervous system called the flight, flight, or freeze response. So what we do is, is that when we breathe in through the nose and then out through the mouth, as we breathe in, the heartbeat 
increases. As we breathe out through the mouth, the heart rate decreases. When you breathe into the nose, that's, that's called sympathetic, okay? And breathing out through the mouth is parasympathetic. So what we do is we kind of get a wave and a balance. But what happens is that a lot of people who are stressed is they breathe very quickly. They're breathing through their nose or through their mouth and they're breathing quickly. And then what happens is it affects the heart rate and the heart rate follows. So they're both connected. So what I do is basically at the very beginning, I talk about simplicity as all I want to do is focus on parasympathetic. Let go. And that's the key is letting go. How do I let go? Because today people are into control and anxiety and burnout because they can't let go. So the way to get started is this most simple thing of breathing. They've been doing it for thousands of years. It's all in on the Buddhism and all the East religions. The core is breathing. So if I understand you correctly, what you're suggesting is that we can change the way we function okay for better just by simply changing the way we breathe yeah yes we can but it's one of those things that we talked about it is the simplicity we've got to keep it really simple and it's difficult because the problem today is that so many people are they're so active they're looking for stimulation They're looking for the sexy program and the, the quickest way to do things. The best thing is that where we're going to be changing is a rhythm. It's a training. So what we're doing is that calming down and people will really find that difficult. I used to work a lot with executives and I was sure when they came in my office and sat down for half an hour or whatever, that's probably the first time they've done that all week or for months. It's learning how to just to sit still and do some breathing. And everybody finds that difficult. So... Why is sitting still so difficult and what do you suggest they do? So what I'm suggesting is, is that what they need to do is learn how to turn off. We need to get into it. Turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off. Because we are in a constant state of turn on, constant. And people have a hard time turning off. So there has to be a desire. So when I work with people, I say, what's your vision? I call it a moto vision a motivational vision, because this is hard work. This simplicity is so hard. You know, it's simple, but it's hard. Whereas a lot of the other stuff, you know, that complication stuff is easy. You know, it's an escape. You know, I don't have to focus too long. So the idea is to sit down. And I had a, a person I knew, and he at lunchtime would go out and go for a walk and do some breathing. And some of his colleagues would say, well, why are you doing this? But he was doing it because he would go out and turn off. So what he was doing was changing his state of mind. We can see it on the brain maps. The brain maps, the people, are, they have very high frequency and brains are constant and they become stuck. It has nothing to do with the comfort zone. They're stuck in those states. Some people finally say, I've had it. I want some peace. What do I need to do? Rather than drinking alcohol or doing drugs, what can I do? Now people are turning to mindfulness. They're turning to meditation because they know all this other medications and stuff has side effects. But it takes work. It takes practice because what you're doing is you're changing a rhythm that you've developed over years. Your brain is in a rhythm. And to change that is very difficult. 
but so you need a huge motivation to want to do that. But the benefits are phenomenal. What do you think makes people want to create a change in their life? Well, you know, in the AA program, they say often people don't do anything until they hit their bottom. In the modern day world, many people are not hitting their bottom. They're waking up. They're realizing. You know, I have a little story. It happened to me when I was 19 years old. I was a hippie. And I was smoking grass and drinking and stuff down in Florida. And I woke up at the edge of my bed one day and I said, you know, if I don't do something, I'm going to have friends when they're 27, 28, they're going to have jobs and whatever. I'll have nothing. And that's when I decided to change my life at that time. And I went out and got a degree and stuff. It's another long story. But there was something on the inside of me that said, I want a better life. Am I prepared to do something about it? Now, I had to change again, once again, and I had a great motivation, which was my family. And I said, that was a huge motivation because I, I wanted to, my family. And my wife, bless her heart, she's a toughie. <laughs> and she wouldn't take any of my baloney. So I said, I said, okay. And I wanted, and I, I was at the point, I want some peace. So I had the motivation. I wanted it. And I was prepared to do whatever it takes to feel better, to get some peace. But then I realized what's really important, we talked about it again, is simplicity. Because what's happening now, a lot of coaches and therapists and so on, they're promising these, oh, you can feel better in three weeks, just follow my easy steps and on all these promises. No, it doesn't work. That's why all these therapists and, and coaches are busy because the clients are moving from therapist to therapist to therapist to coach to coach, looking for the easy answer. There isn't an easy way. What it takes is a commitment and then simplicity. Take it slow. You do a little breathing at the beginning. You don't have to become a Buddha. You don't have to become a meditation master. Keep it simple because you're changing something that takes years to develop. So now you're going to start. It, it's a training. It's like when you go see Ryan, our friend, he trains and you learn through repetition. And I know I have to exercise in the morning because I have a problem with my back. And some days I have to do a thing called a plank for six for 90 seconds. And it's one of the hardest. That 90 seconds feels like nine hours, <laughs> you know, but I have a motivation that I know when I do this, I'm not going to have problems with my back. So I have a goal. I don't like working. Actually, I don't work goals because goals can be also create stress and anxiety. Again, I have a vision that I will feel well, I will be well. And so that's what I just have to remind myself when I'm sometimes doing that and ready to give up. I say, no, this is what I want. And that's what you have to constantly remind yourself. I often tell my clients, they write down what their vision is. You look at it every day because we are human. You know, we make mistakes, we forget. We have to remind ourselves. The motivation has to come from the inside, not from the outside. And again, I am very inspired by what you're saying is because I see again and again around us, we get so distracted by all these things we must become and we must mm. do and, and all these influences we have around us and and I think we're kind of creating this idea of we are not good enough, okay? And I think that this idea of you need a coach because you're not good enough, I think it's exactly the opposite. I think, you know, the idea of why I am a coach is because 
all you need to do is go back to who you really are inside and just helping to kind of awaken that part of then how you go about managing the life you have and making self-empowerment, you know, independence, all of these things I'm very inspired by. And I love what you're saying is we are here to support others so they can be independent. And I know that I can look at my two-year-old son and I can see how incredible in the last year he's become more and more independent. And I know that you're very passionate about this idea of how you're looking at children is we are only here to get them independent so they can go on and be the best version of themselves, not my version of them. So I think this whole idea of empowerment and independence and trusting the process that people know what's good for them. They just forgot. You know, it was an interesting thing. And, I, and when I, I decided to change my life again, that was about 25 years ago. I sat down to do this vision. Whoa, it was a challenge. And I was going, what do I want? And I would say, okay, this is what I want. And then I would, I would say, my goodness, I could hear my father speaking. And I said, I had to shake my head. No, what do I want? And I couldn't trust that because I was told this is what you want. I was told, we're told by society, by the doctors, by everybody, this is what you want. What we need to do is start asking ourselves, what do I want? And you're right to trust myself. I was very quickly, I was sitting down because I was reading the thing on Facebook and they're talking about all this racism stuff and we got to get rid of it and stuff like that. And, but I asked a question, but why do we have to put others down? That's the key. What is the point? If somebody is self-confident, independent, they have no need to put others down. And I've thought and I've known is that self low there's a lot of low self-esteem nowadays tremendous amount of it and how do you lift yourself up put others down and that's what's happening you know my son is a carpenter and he does he's got a great job because he can build something stand back and say look what i did i made that and it builds his self-esteem so we've got to start doing things for ourselves that's what near feedback is so cool is that I am working, I'm doing it for me. The breathing, I'm doing for me. And then when I start feeling better, I can feel good about myself because I did it. It's not a pill that did it or the therapist or the, the other coach. It's what I did. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And thank you for raising such an important point, especially you know because it's so present. And I think there's going to be a lot more of these reaction going to come up and I, and I remember that you have always talked to me about you know Lucia how do we learn to respond to situation versus react and I wonder if you can explain it from a brain standpoint given that you're a brain expert <laughs> what is the difference and, and how is one not necessarily serving us and perhaps self-sabotaging us I really would love to come back to that reaction versus responding well, first things first is that, unfortunately, a lot of people use the word tell a child to be responsible. And it's more like do your duty. All right. If you break down the word, it's response able, the ability to respond. Right. And then so the parents are saying, respond the way I tell you you should respond. And I say parents need to say, well, what do you think? How do you think you should respond? And the, then we can co coax them along the way. 
Now, one thing that I, uh, I was working with a friend of mine, Tom Mahler, over here, and we created a program called HeartSmart. And one of the things we found was recognition. And that's part of, part of our brain was to recognize when a situation is not good or not happening, is to be able to neutralize ourselves. And then we can reflect. We call it the R&R. So if I see something that's not going well, like let's give you an instance is that one afternoon, my way back when my wife and I, would, she'd be ironing and I'd be in the living with her and then she'd start getting a little bit, eh, and then I would respond and then we'd be off to the races. So finally I said, John, practice what you preach. So this time I recognized that this could happen. So I got up and I said, oh, excuse me, I've got to go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom, I do my breathing, calm myself right down, came back and she's ironing like nothing happened. So I didn't react, I responded. And that's what we can practice with, our, with anybody, with our environment. We choose to respond appropriately in our environment rather than reacting. Because reacting is emotional. And that's how the, with the neurofeedback and the map, we can see that the brains are so in such high frequency. It's like putting too much in the glass. It just you can't take anymore. So what we do is we try to get calmed down. We get down into the maybe the alpha state. We're much more calmer and we can listen, not react. But it's difficult because people today are trying to get others to react. It's a challenge. I mean, I'm not perfect. And I don't portray myself as this perfect coach or perfect whatever. <laughs> I'm still, I'm human. I make mistakes. But I've now gotten to the point that I can go and apologize for my mistakes. And I can say, I'm sorry for not listening. And I will try harder. And that's for me is really, is really a big step for me because I've been a bit of a, I like to talk a lot. My, my children will tell me, so will my wife. <laughs> you know? And I'm having to learn and listen and say, yes, I'm sorry. But yeah, that, that listening part is really a challenge nowadays for many people. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. And I think that we can definitely keep it here because we could be talking for another hour. But I love this idea that it's okay to just learn to breathe and listen. And I think the, the biggest aha moment now I have is this, we're not striving for perfection. You know, none of us are perfect you know whether you're a coach who've been doing it for 22 years or doing it for five years it's not actually a race to perfection is really this this idea of we can get better we have this vision for better and we each day take you know one step at a time and hopefully inspire each other by this wonderful conversation so john thank you so much for finding a time to talk to me <laughs> thank you for asking me i'm just going to add in one word or two words, is that based on your last sentence, is that I truly believe in it's called progress, not perfection. So that's one of my beliefs. So that's what I try and practice. So it's been a pleasure. And I'm hoping that we will have more conversations. Yes, thank you so much, John. Thank right. you. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share it, or tell a friend about it. Until next time.